When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even to a physical. Let's check your weight. Hop on the scale. Look at that. You're down a few pounds. Oh, yeah. Must be the new carbon fiber wheels. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. I'm going to prescribe 91 octane for your engine knock, and we'll want to see you again in 3,000 miles. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's That Josh Arnold Podcast. Well, hello. My goodness. Look who's back. Well, it's, um, it's this week's guest of mine, you. Oh, and what a fine guest you are. Thank you so much for joining me this, the final week of October. Ah, I am here in the basement. Man, as the weather gets colder, so does the basement, I'll tell you that. And it is not nice down here. Just dingy and gross and the, uh... The mouse traps are full. I can tell you that. I mean, that's the biggest mouse I've ever... That, that's a rat. That is a rat. I do this show from where there are rats. My gosh. But that's all right. I'm in a good mood because I uh, I love the final week of October. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. Why? It's Halloween time. Oh, man, I love Halloween. I know this year will be different, of course. That's all you hear about, but... It'll still be fun. Make the best of it, of course. In fact, this week, I, uh, for me, the final week of October is a jack-o'-lantern week. I don't like to carve the pumpkins too early. They rot and sink into themselves. And uh, yeah, no, I wait until this week. And uh, some of you may say, Josh, if you're, when you're alone, do you still carve a jack-o'-lantern? And do it by yourself? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Put it out there on the porch there on Halloween night and... Light the candle. It's fun. I like it. I'm a simple jack-o'-lantern guy. Just the traditional triangle eyes and nose and sort of jagged mouth with square teeth. I'm not a big... uh, I'm always impressed by the artistic pumpkins, uh, the jack-o'-lanterns that you see with uh, very, you know, elaborate depictions of Halloween or whatever. You know, those are great, but I just don't do that. I... I do the freestyle, um, old-fashioned jack-o'-lantern. Uh, oh, man, we have a good sponsor this week uh, This week for the show. Uh, uh, our sponsor this week, a glass of juice. Don't you, don't you like a good glass of juice? Man, oh, man. Maybe in the morning there, sort of kickstart your appetite. Just a nice <laughs> cold glass of juice, uh, tart and sweet. They sort of take the best of the fruit and leave out the, you know, the the, the not as flavorful stuff, and they add things uh, to make it even more flavorful. It's uh, it's, it's it's quite something. So uh, enjoy a glass of juice coming up soon. And it doesn't have to be for breakfast. You can have them at dinner if you want. There are many juices. <laughs> so thank you to a glass of juice for sponsoring this week's show. Uh, oh my, uh, I guess, uh, we'll start things, uh, you know, why dilly dally. Let's get things started, uh, with our first segment, vo- vocab, uh, I almost messed up the word, which is ironic. 
if you're going to say vocabulary, you should know how to <laughs> how to use it and to pronounce it. So let's try that again. It's vocabulary corner. Ah, isn't that nice? Isn't that magical? That's uh, and vocab uh, vocabulary is magical. You can um, well, you can cast a spell on someone with your fine vocabulary, can't you? Words can be intoxicating and uh, charming, and yeah, oh yeah, they're uh, very magical. This week's word is uh, particularly appropriate for the time of year. Halloween and whatnot. The word is a noun, and it is horripilation. Horripilation. H-O-R-R-I-P-I-L-A-T-I-O-N. Horripilation. And it means goosebumps, essentially. Goosebumps, or maybe um, the phenomenon of when the, the your hair bristles and stands up at the back of your neck. That is horripilation. So uh, let's say uh, this week you're going to watch a scary movie. Perhaps one of the scenes in that movie will give you quite a, uh, well, will put you in a state of horripilation. Cause some horripilation at the, the back of your neck there. Yeah, isn't that neat? You can use that this week. In fact, I insist on it. Horripilation. Why do you say goosebumps? Or goose flesh. I always thought that was, uh, man, that's that's an old person. If, you, if you're if you on the phone with somebody and you can't tell their age and all of a sudden they go, oh boy, I have a case of goose flesh, you know that they're over the age of 82. Or goose pimples, which is, I don't, I've never liked goose pimples. People, it just grosses me out. It's like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I've never had a goose bump that said pus leaking out of it. <laughs> All right, no reason to get gross. In fact, that uh, sort of gave me a case of horripilation, thinking about that. So, yeah, it's a fine word to use this time of year. You know, we've got a bit of a theme, actually, uh, this episode. I'm not uh, I'm not a big theme guy. I kind of like a melange of uh, topics and items of discussion. But uh, this, I thought it would be kind of fun. Why not? To... Uh, well, I, you know, I love Halloween, so why not celebrate it uh, as much as we can? There are those who don't care for it. Um, and hey, that's fine. It's not for everybody. It's spooky. Some some folks don't like to feel creeped out or, uh, you know, they just don't like scary things or they prefer to focus on um, what they consider more pleasant things. Uh, so... But don't worry, uh, you folks, because Thanksgiving, Christmas coming. Uh, yeah, see, isn't that that's 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 the good thing about the order of the holidays? If you look at it, sort of in a fiscal year type, October, we get the uh, the the creepy, spooky, scary stuff. But then, a nice palate cleanser for the end of the year there with uh, family and friends and uh, gifts and uh, gatherings. So yes, if you're if you don't like Halloween, don't worry. It'll it, it, you you your time is coming. <laughs> Thankfully for me, I, I love all of it. So uh, for different for different reasons. And um, well, speaking of things I I love, why not tell you a little bit about uh, something I enjoyed this past week? This is our next segment, the podcast things I enjoyed this week. And I'll be honest, one of these 
podcasts, um, the thing I enjoyed this week might be this theme song. I mean, listen to this. Does it get much happier than this? <laughs> I want you to, since we are talking Halloween, I want you to, uh, to picture a skeleton in a top hat and, uh, and a bow tie. He's got a top, the only clothing the skeleton has, a, uh, a top hat, a bow tie, and then he's got a cane, which is more of an affectation than a, than a piece of clothing, but he, and he's, he's walking very, um, sort of, uh, confidently and, and fancily, if you will, <laughs> maybe fancifully, uh, down the street. He's headed, uh, well, uh, let's say he's headed to, uh, the, you know what? He needs more clothes. He's gonna buy a new suit, and he's excited about it. So the skeleton... <laughs> You know, if you were to uh, ask me who this podcast is for, the answer would be, I have no idea. I, I have no idea who my audience is. I, uh, I Hopefully, you're, um, <laughs> you're, you're the type that likes uh, imagining a skeleton in a top hat and a cane and a bow tie walking happily down the street. I, if, if, then, look, if you can enjoy that, then you, <laughs> you are in for a treat and hit subscribe now because uh, that's, you're my, you are my listeners. Boy, oh boy. Anyway, the thing I enjoyed this week, ah, an oldie, an old movie, um, in fact, from 1959, House on Haunted Hill. That's right. I watched it uh, this week, and man, oh man, I, I had seen it before, um, and I love it. I absolutely love it. It's uh, a classic, House on Haunted Hill. Directed by the great William Castle, who's a fascinating director. Why, Josh? Because he made great movies? Not really. <laughs> he didn't make great movies, but he made wonderful movies. And, and, and what, I mean, what I mean by that is the quality, you know, y y these weren't award winners, but my gosh, are they fun. William Castle considered um, sort of a king of schlock. He would make these... What would now be considered cheesy horror films, and um, what he would do is he would hold special screenings uh, that would have immersive um, sort of <laughs> props and uh, gimmicks to go along with. So what would happen is, is he has a movie called The Tingler, which is about this uh, creature <laughs> that attaches itself to your spine and uh, causes you, well, it can kill you. But uh, what would happen in the movie theater if you went to go see The Tingler back in the day, each seat was equipped with a buzzer on the back. So whenever The Tingler would appear, your seat would buzz and you would think that you were being attacked by The Tingler. So that kind of thing. And during House on Haunted Hill, if you went to see that in a theater, the theaters were equipped with a skeleton that would fly across the screen and sort of over the audience. And uh, because during one, and this is not really much of a spoiler alert, there's a, a scene in House on Haunted Hill where a skeleton is menace, uh, menacing a uh, our hero, essentially. And... Um, <laughs> as the skeleton was sort of uh, stalking this man in the theater you would see a, uh, a skeleton sort of swinging above you and uh, you know it, apparently it garnered far more laughs um than it did actual <laughs> fear I, would, I bet if you were like six 
And that happened. Oh, you would you may have been terrified, but, but what a fun, what a fun thing. The movie Matinee, which came out in the '90s with John Goodman, is very much a celebration of the stuff, the type of stuff William Castle did. The premise of House on Haunted Hill, it's quite simple. Vincent Price, oh my gosh, the legendary Vincent Price. He's a millionaire in this film, and he uh, he decides he's going to have sort of a Halloween party, he and his wife, who, uh, they don't get along very well, but uh, they, they, they invite five guests to this house, this purportedly haunted house, and Vincent Price says, hey, if you stay the whole night here, I'll give you 10000 bucks, which back then wasn't chicken feed. You know, that was... Uh, that was uh, we're talking mighty dollars there. That's that's a good chunk of change. Nineteen fifty nine. So ten k. I don't know what it's worth now. Um, what ten k in fifty nine? I think. Let me do the math here. That would equal, uh, yes, yeah, sixty two million dollars. So that's uh, boy, oh boy, that's. I mean, if somebody offered you sixty two mil to spend the night in a house, uh, haunted or not, I, I think you're going to do it. But. The five people agree, and, uh, well, some things happen. Some spooky things happen. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Uh, When the movie is all said and done, uh, if you try try to poke holes in the plot, you're not going to be able to because uh, it's already so inherently holy. You're going to look back and go, none of what? None of that makes any sense. If the more you think about it, why did the characters make this decision? How did that happen? What would there are like some twists and turns that just are absolutely ridiculous. But the the charm of this movie and and the joy comes from just uh, just, you know, it's so indicative of a time. And I have to tell you this. House on Haunted Hill, the 1959, because there was a remake. Um, well, I don't know, early 2000s or something with Jeffrey Rush and Chris Kattan and some other, um, you know, good performers, uh, the great Jeffrey Combs. It's it's okay. It's um, very violent and, uh, you know, also preposterous. But, uh, you know, I, it's it's got its moments. But the original House on Haunted Hill has one of the greatest scares in any horror movie I've ever seen. And that's not easy to do um oh, how do i put this an older movie like that it's really it's not it, i don't think it's easier for it's that easy for an older movie to scare a modern audience but there is one scene in particular where i really think you will jump and maybe audibly shriek it is it's the movie is uh my gosh dated and uh uh, cheesy by by our our current standards, but that that moment of um, that was sort of weird. I'm looking at my uh, at our friendly producer Jason as I'm talking about this movie about a haunted about a haunted house. Something fell or or banged on its own. No idea, no uh, no idea what it, what it could have been. So um, I I say they're listening. The ghosties and ghoulies and long-legged beasties are well aware of what we're talking about this week. Fascinating. Jason, if you figured out what the noise, don't tell me. I want to think that this was uh, supernatural (laughs) or paranormal. (laughs) So, House on Haunted Hill, do yourselves a favor, watch it. It's really fun, and it's about like, I think it's an hour 15. So, you know, you waste more time on your phone 
every day than you would taking a little little moment out of your, uh, your life to to enjoy House on Haunted Hill. Again, it, it didn't win any awards. Uh, it's not going down in history as uh, one of the fine motion pictures of all time. But my goodness, is it fun! It's uh, and it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And you get to watch Vincent Price chew the scenery. My, it's so fun and. You will be scared. I think there is one one scene in this movie where I think you will genuinely be scared. <laughs> so if you see it, write me. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Um, you can email me at joshpodcast at bobandtom.com. And thank you all so much for uh, the emails that have been coming in. Uh, there have been a lot of them, and I really appreciate I do read all of them. And I uh, sort of uh, I have a file there in my email system where I, I keep them all uh, because many of you are asking questions, which I ask for, and uh, I do keep them. I don't respond to everybody, I, and, and you know I apologize for that. But please know that I uh, I read them and I really do appreciate them, and uh, I try to respond. If I don't, please don't take it personally or think that I wasn't interested. Um, I really it, it, it genuinely means a lot that you took some time to. To write me, so uh, and man, a lot of good questions are pouring in, and uh, some of them, um, I you know, I'm not going to get to all of them, uh, and certainly not this week. But uh, if you don't, if you write me, and then that week, the following podcast, you don't hear your question read, I've got it saved, and I may actually go back to it. Uh, in fact, there's a good chance I will. So, um, and I'll be honest, this is no. Uh, I'm not bragging, but I, there are so many questions coming in. I'm probably going to have to do more than one a week, which is terrific. It just means a little bit more time that I get to visit with you. So uh, thank you again, Josh Podcast at bobandtom.com. Uh, let me know uh, if you watched House on Haunted Hill and uh, what you thought of it. And uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm getting the music, which is essentially the sign to to move it along but we're there it's question of the week is this a new one? Oh, i like this it's got a stand-up bass which is uh i gotta be honest that's a bucket list item for me i would love to know how to play the stand-up bass i know the bob and tom producer dean can play it and play it very well and he's offered to teach me for free um that's a lie but i uh uh I could probably talk him into teaching me. He doesn't care for me, but I don't. He doesn't. What he can do is sort of just talk to the room, and I'll be in there. Um, so he could say, if if I were to teach someone, uh, this is what I would, and I would just be there doing it. He wouldn't have to actually look at me or speak to me because he doesn't like me very much. But that's okay. I uh, well, I don't blame him. I I, uh, I I set his house on fire, and it wasn't an accident. I thought it would be funny. And uh, he didn't. He didn't think it was funny at all. So he's mad at me. What are you going to do? Some people just don't have a sense of humor. (laughs) Anyway, question of the week. And uh, my gosh, if this doesn't tie in so well. This question comes to us from Superboy, which is a (laughs) a terrific. I really hope that uh, that is either your first name or that you are indeed Superboy, like uh, some sort of superhero. That, uh, you know, when you're not battling crime, you listen to me uh, and think of questions. So, Superboy wants to know, why do you like horror movies so much? 
Wow, that is a I, that's a great question. I you know what? So there are some who would read that and go, "Well, gee, Superboy surely is judgmental." Uh, I don't think that. I think he's just asking. I mean, he didn't say, "Hey, weirdo, why does your creepy uh, behind like horror movies so much? You freak." It's not, it wasn't you know worded that way. So I'll give Superboy the benefit of the doubt and and. Uh, choose to read it as though he were, uh, you know, saying it this way. Why, uh, so w- why do you like horror movies so much? Well, I'll tell you, Superboy and everybody else, uh, because, man, there are people that just can't do it. They cannot watch horror films for a few reasons. They don't like to be scared um, and or they don't like the violence that many horror films have. They would prefer to spend their time watching happier things. And I get it. I respect it. I love happy things, too. But boy, do I love horror movies. And I always have. And there are um, a few reasons that I can think of. I The first one is I, uh, I like being scared. I like turning the lights out and sitting in the dark and watching... Something that is going to uh, frighten me. In fact, if I watch a horror movie that doesn't frighten me, I, I'm disappointed. Sure, I may have gotten, uh, I may have had fun watching it, um, but I like, I like the feeling of of watching something or reading something for that matter. Uh, but that's, um, yeah. I mean, you can't do that with the lights off, really. I don't, I don't recommend it. You know, strange your eyes, but I'm not here to, to teach, you, teach you about that. The uh, <laughs> feeling scared to me is thrilling. It's exhilarating, and you know, one could argue that it's not necessarily the being scared that that I crave or like, but that it's the feeling afterwards of, oh, we made it, we made it through. Um, much like being on a roller coaster, you're. You're scared and and frightened and excited. And then afterwards you go, oh my gosh, we survived. We did it and you laugh. And wasn't that fun and what a release. So I do do have fun watching these horror movies. I also like the stories of of really good horror movies. Oftentimes they've got quite a, um, a message to them. And they tackle certain topics that were you to tackle them uh you know they sort they sort of do it in an uh analogous way uh where they're metaphors for something that we're dealing with in real life one could argue that uh well and i know that you've you know you may not come here to hear about current events because my gosh, we've uh, heard about them ad nauseum, but there will be a uh, a slew of horror films. In fact, they've already started coming out uh, regarding the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. But some of these movies won't, they'll never mention COVID. They'll never mention, they may not even use the word pandemic, but they will be about the pandemic whether it be a zombie outbreak or a rash of uh, vampirism, anything. 
uh, and people have to stay indoors and they can't go to work and they can't do what they used to do. Uh, you know, the so-called new normal will be reflected. Um, yeah, I mean, good horror movies reflect the the everyday fears of a, a certain time. I mean, um, well, an example that comes to mind is uh, Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds adaptation uh, is a hell of a metaphor for post, well, for 9-11 and post 9-11, you know, life. And if you don't believe me, my gosh, watch it with that in mind. And you, you, and I can't be the first person to point this out. There's no way I have, I honestly haven't researched or read reviews that talk about it, but watching it, it's so clear that that movie is about 9-11. There's, it just is. Well, no, Josh, it's about aliens. Of course it's about aliens, but (laughs) what does it represent? And it absolutely represents that. Uh, we have all kinds of, I mean, this, this is, I could get into the history of, of horror. There are are far smarter people who have done this, uh, before me and continue to, to examine the horror genre, um, in such a way, because it's, I, I think it's fascinating. I mean, Godzilla is a, is a direct comment on. The nuclear age and a ton of movies like that. So, um, now there are some that I don't I, that I that claim to be about something other than what they're about. You know what I mean? That I haven't quite gotten yet, and I would lo- and, and I should talk to some some of my headier friends who who um, would probably know more about it, but. You know, there are arguments that the Texas Chainsaw movies are really a comment on Vietnam and that sort of thing. And I I don't I, 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 I kind of don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so I'd have to, you know, I'd have to. I mean, there are even those there's a, a now sort of famous slash infamous documentary about how The Shining was actually Stanley Kubrick's. Uh, sort of spilling of the beans that the moon landing was fake. Um, you know, I watched the documentary. It's called Room Something. I, I forget. It's something I should know, but I don't right now. So, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, hey, what Kubrick was doing with The Shining, he was telling us uh, that the moon landing was fake and here's how they did it. And there are all these clues and all these. <laughs> anyway, it's whether you believe it or not, it's it's fun. It's an interesting thesis, and uh, you know, check it out. Um, so yes, uh, I like the fun of scary movies. I like that they have a lot of good messages. You know, oftentimes they're they're quite uh, they've got a message to them. Or and you know, you might ask, well, why not just make? Why would Spielberg and the screenwriter at the time, David Kep, make uh, War of the Worlds, why didn't they just make a movie about 9-11? Because we didn't didn't want to see a movie about 9-11. There were some, and they didn't do too well, because quite honestly, my gosh, what a a thing to sit through. Uh, I mean, a lot of us, hell, watched the news that day. We we don't really want to go watch watch something like that. I think that's going to happen with... With the pan- with the COVID nineteen pandemic too, I don't. I think we're going to be pretty fatigued and 
and that's where horror and and uh, science fiction as well will step up, and they'll tell us about it without directly telling us about it. I mean, it's the old thing about how uh, this isn't horror, uh, but uh, you know, Mash took place during the Korean War, but it was clearly about Vietnam. That's just what you sometimes you have to. I don't know. You have to indirectly discuss something for it to be effective. Otherwise, we'll just shut down. So, bravo to uh, a lot of these great horror films. Um, and I could, I mean, the list goes on and on. I find them also to be very cathartic, particularly some of the more <laughs> violent uh, of the horror, horror films. They... Um, we all have frustrations during the day. We all get angry. We all need to blow off steam. And sometimes when you watch a movie where a guy is running around with a chainsaw, you go, you know what? This is a nice way to blow off steam. This is, uh, <laughs> and it, again, not everybody chooses to blow off steam that way. I do. I mean, I, it's, uh, um, I don't think there's anything mentally wrong with me for for th- for that being an outlet of my aggression. I also listen to really heavy music, and there are some who would listen to it and go, "Oh, isn't that um, unsettling and weird and loud and uh, aggressive? And doesn't it bring you down?" I, no, it does the opposite. It really <laughs> it really amps me up and it makes me happy because it's it's a I'm just. I'm just uh, turning the valve, the valve there, and and the steam is is released. So yeah, it's you know we, the pressure builds uh, in everyday life, and you need a way to uh, to let it loose. And horror can absolutely do that. It can be very cathartic, whether you're rooting for the he- hero or heroine or the or the villain. And I I I you know. Horror has been I've I've been interested in it ever since I was a kid because the primary w- women in my life loved it. My mom and my grandma and my aunt um were all huge horror fans and yeah, they weren't um you know, they were they were they wouldn't let me watch certain things because they were too bloody or there was too much nudity or what. They weren't um you know, neglectful when it came to my well-being. They wouldn't just sit me down and let me watch anything I wanted. Or they would have me leave the room if they were watching something and, and they didn't think it was appropriate for me. But I could watch a lot. Um, and I often would. And I would watch it with them and I would see how much fun they had being scared and uh, how they would laugh afterwards and sort of joke and then try to scare each other. And I just liked, I really liked being a part of that. And yes, I was horrified. I was terrified watching a lot of these movies. They legitimately scared me. But uh, it was communal in a sense, and it was it was a good time. And it didn't occur to me until later in life that there was another main reason that I'm drawn to the horror horror genre. Um. And again, there are probably people who have discussed this and probably in a more enlightened and intelligent way than I'm going to. But this is probably the the biggest reason why uh, I enjoy the horror genre. And at the well, at the age of uh, seven, 16 or 17, 
I was diagnosed with panic disorder. And what that means, because everybody will have anxiety attacks or panic attacks sometime in their life. And I don't, <laughs> I certainly don't say that to scare you, but it's just kind of a fact. You're going to get, um, you're going to have times in your life where there will be situations that are really difficult to handle. And there, and maybe even multiple situations that pile up and it's a, it's a tough time in your life and, and you're, it's going to manifest, uh, you know, things are going to manifest physically and uh, mentally and emotionally. And, um, you're going to have, uh, you know, one or two anxiety attacks, and you'll uh, you'll deal with it, and everything will be fine, and it, and the the situations will get better, and you you will everything will be will be good. You'll get through it. With panic disorder, those attacks occur no matter what is going on in your life. Everything could be wonderful. And out of nowhere, bam, you get nailed with, with a, a very physical, emotional, and mental attack. Now, when I was diagnosed with panic disorder, um, the, it was explained to me that it's caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain. My brain wasn't producing enough uh, serotonin, um, and that essentially triggered, uh, by the way, this, these are sort of layman's explanations. So if you know more about the science and the, and, and everything, you don't, you don't, you can write in, you don't have to, to correct me or anything. I'm sort of just giving you what I was told, what my, um, uh, interpretation of, <laughs> of the facts are, uh, what my understanding of the whole thing is. So there's a chemical imbalance in my brain that triggers my fight or, or flight response no for no reason. So if somebody comes up to you on the street and they pull out a knife and they say, uh, give me your wallet or hand me your purse, your brain triggers your fight or flight response um, to where you, you have to make a decision. Your brain goes, hey, you can either kick that guy in the arm and hope that the knife goes flying and then beat him up, so fight, or... You can run or flight. You can get the hell out of there. Now, there are other options, of course. You can just hand him the purse and hope that he goes away, whatever. But the fight or flight response, it's a defense mechanism that, ha- that occurs in your brain to uh, initiate a physical response. <laughs> hey, either fight this dude or get out. But... That's typically triggered by an event such as somebody pulling a knife and asking you for your money. In this case, well, and obviously that's an extreme example. Um, It could be something as simple as your boss at work asking you to do a project that you're not particularly comfortable with. You know, that sort of thing. That can trigger a, oh man, do I do it? Do I tell him I can't? Do I, what do I do? And that can cause anxiety. So anyway, my fight or flight (laughs) will be triggered by nothing. (laughs) <laughs> where all of a sudden I could be sitting somewhere and feel like I have to make a major decision based on a certain fear that I'm feeling. And that fear um, is due to the chemical imbalance. Now, lately there have been studies that I've been looking at 
that suggest, well, there is no way to measure the chemicals in the brain. So it's, you know, the chemical imbalance thing may not be as uh, true as we thought. And there's a, there's a debate. There's an ongoing debate about this. Um, as I guess what I'm trying to say is you can map two people's brains and uh, they may look exactly the same. But one may have panic disorder and the other may not. And so that's kind of the trouble they're having in, in, when it comes to this chemical imbalance thing. Josh, my God, who cares? What, what does this have to do with the horror genre? I'll tell you, with panic disorder, I, I, live, I live my life and I am on medication and I have been since, uh, you know, 16 or whatever, the, 16 or 17 when I had my first panic attack. And you know what? While we're talking about it, if you would, you know, humor me. I'll tell you what it was. The the first anxiety attack I had, I remember it very clearly. I, I was on a field trip in Branson. And you may have heard that breath sort of catch in my throat just now because when I talk about this, and boy, I, I don't often like saying this, but when I talk about this, I start to feel a little anxious. And what, the reason I don't like saying that is because there are people out there that just don't understand and they don't really take the time to understand these sort of, um, you know, I don't want to say handicaps or or anything like or so, anything like that. That just sounds more dramatic. Even though this is a thing, um, you know, one of my, what, I don't want people to think that it's uh, psychosomatic that I talk myself into feeling this way. So when I say, hey, I, you know, as I start to talk about this stuff, I start to feel it. Uh, that's just how it is for me. I, um, it is not psychosomatic. I, I can't really, talk, <laughs> I can't. I, what I don't want you to think is that people with anxiety, with panic disorder, have the ability to talk themselves out of an attack. They just don't. I wish that were the case. Um, but it, so, so please don't misunderstand what I'm, what I'm saying. Anyway, I was on a field trip and I was sitting on a bus and everything was, I was having fun with my friends and I, I was excited about the trip. And all of a sudden, um, physically, the best way I can describe it is, uh, you know, when you're leaning back in a chair and you're kind of uh, leaning back and then it gets to a point where you're where it feels like, oh, I've leaned back too far. I'm going to fall backwards. I'm going to fall to the ground. And your heart kind of leaps up into your chest or into your throat rather. And, and uh, it gets tense and, and then your, your chair settles back down as it should. And you go, oh, God, I thought I was I thought I was falling backwards. It's that that feeling that, you know, with the chair thing, it lasts uh, maybe two, five, ten seconds. It's that feeling for maybe an hour or maybe a day or <laughs> however long the attack uh, occurs. And I've had them that have lasted 20 minutes and I've had them that have lasted four days. Um, and so physically... Imagine that. Imagine that you're feeling this tension and this discomfort in your chest. Uh, how else that's going to affect you? Um, you're going to maybe sweat or you're going to shake. Um, everybody's symptoms are different. Uh, mine, I tend to get sh a little shaky and um, then mentally I can't focus. I can't focus. I can barely focus on anything. And... Mentally slash emotionally, I then start to think 
I will never be normal again. I will never feel good or uh, right again. And I can even I can even think about how oh no this is an anxiety this is a panic attack I these do end. But logic leaps out the window as soon as these things hit. It's just part of it. So it's not like I get any comfort going. You know what? I've been here before, and I'm going to get through this. That never th- those thoughts don't occur. What does occur is oh I'm this time I'm broken for good. This is this is it. I I am now going to feel this way, and it's going to get worse and worse until I am insane or I pass away or um you know I crumble into a ball and I can't be I can never be helped. So. Living with that, and it is genetic. My my father had it really badly to where he couldn't work, and um, uh, and again, some of you I'm sure are skeptical, and you're going to go, "Well, he could have worked. He just didn't want to." In case you know, he 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 was a lazy man who would have these every now and again feel a little worried. Okay, you know what? Go go ahead and believe it. That's if that's how you feel. That's how you feel. I can't. Uh, all, honestly, all I can do is kind of laugh and go. All right, well, <laughs> because I know I know what it is, and um, it's not it's not that. It's he, he was uh, disabled, and in fact, he told me a story once about how he was driving to work because he would he would try he would try to work. And he had four kids and a wife, for God's sakes. He he wanted to provide. And so he would be on his way to work and have an anxiety attack out of nowhere for no reason. And one time he told me, uh, oh, God bless him. He had to uh, turn around to go home and he couldn't wait for the next exit. He had to drive across the median of the the, the two lane or the four lane highway. He he had to get home where he felt safer. And uh, that's how illogical th- this can make you. So what I'm getting at is I think I like horror films because when I decide to watch a scary movie, it's a choice. And most of my life, I haven't been able to decide when I want to be scared or feel fear. It just happens out of nowhere. Like like getting hit over the head, um, you know, by somebody behind you you didn't know was there. You could be laughing and singing and uh, humming along and, and, and bam. It has never it being scared via a film or a book is it's my way of, of controlling my fear. I get to choose it. And I, I really think that's why I love it. I think. It's, um, you know, there's something I, I can't control my panic disorder. I can keep it at bay with my medicine. Um, and for the most part, the medicine works. It's effective. Uh, there are still attacks that, that you know, they, <laughs> they get through and uh, <laughs> they, they set me back a bit. But. Um, for the most part, it works, and and uh, I guess what I'm I, I guess I like having the power of deciding when I'm going to feel fear, and so I'll watch a horror movie, and 
I think to a certain extent, if I didn't have panic disorder, I would still enjoy them because I, I do, I like, uh, you know, the tales of fighting adversity and I like the messages and I, I like the fun. I think they're fun. And uh, if you don't, my, uh, you know, I would never <laughs> judge you. Um, they're not for everyone, particularly the violent ones. They can get, uh, they can get grisly. But I like, I, I well, hell, I've just explained it at quite some. I just gave you a lengthy explanation as to why I enjoy it. I hope you do too. And if you don't, that's again, that's that's quite all right. But if you do. This is the time of year, isn't it, where we really get to let our freak flags fly and and enjoy some uh, some horror. <laughs> and uh, well, horror, good horror should also be surprising. And that brings us to the final segment of uh, this week's podcast: things to work on this week. This is something. I... Yes, happy music. A celebration. Why? Because we want to celebrate being better people. How'd you do last week? Did you uh, say you're welcome? I know some of you did when uh, I responded to your emails with or messages with a thanks, and you wrote back, you're welcome, and I was so pleased to see it. <laughs> I hope you used your welcome a lot last week. And uh, this week, I'd like you to try something, all right? This is something to work on this week. Maybe not every week. I, I like to think that not tailgating, which was the first thing to work on, and uh, saying you're welcome are things that you can carry on week to week. But this one might just be a special thing for this week. But I say try to do it every week anyway. Um, I want you to surprise somebody. And by that, I mean surprise them with a uh, in a fun way with something they weren't – well, I was going to say with something they weren't expecting. But that's sort of the definition of a surprise – you know what? Let's tie it into Halloween. Let's say, how about uh, trick someone this week with a treat? And I'll give you an example. Let's say your spouse is at work and you get home first and uh, text them, uh, hey, tonight for dinner I thought we'd just have leftovers. All right? But in reality, why not make them their favorite dish? That way, when they come inside, they come home, they see, oh my gosh, she tricked me, or he tricked me into thinking we were just going to have, you know, the same old leftovers, and there it is, my favorite meal. What a nice surprise! Isn't that fun? <laughs> or maybe surprise someone, uh, it can be very simple, surprise someone with a phone call, or a, a nice text, just reminding them that they're important in your life. I like to do this. I like to just every now and again... Send somebody a text, especially if I think about them. If I think about them during the day, I like to let them know that I, that I thought of them. Hey, I thought of you today. Remember when this happened? Boy, that's, that sure is a happy memory for me, and you sure are such a nice, nice part of my life. It really means a lot. It does. It may sound, um, you know, a little cheesy, but, oh, boy, it, I, I think it really... It not only brightens up their day, but it brightens up yours. To know that you brightened up their day. It, surprise someone this week. Trick them with a treat. Why not? It's fun. In fact, I'm going to surprise you all right now. This is, uh, I don't know if you'll like it. I certainly do. But I wanted to treat you 
to a little Halloween spirit, a little, uh, well, it's a poem. It's uh, one of my favorite poems. It's, a, it's, it's certainly fitting of the season, and uh, it's a poem by the British poet Robert Graves, who's probably mo- most famous for, um, sorry to get a little literary, literary, well, English major nerd on you, but uh, for the I. Claudius books. Um, Robert Graves, terrific, terrific poet, and he wrote a poem that I think is perfect for this season. I'd like to just leave you with it. It's called Ghost Music. Gloomy and bare the organ loft, bent-backed and blind the organist, from rafters looming shadowy, from the pipes tuneful company, drifted together drowsily, innumerable, formless, dim, the ghosts of long-dead melodies, of anthems stately, thunderous, of Kyrie's shrill and tremulous, In melancholy, drowsy sweet, they huddled there in harmony, like bats at noontide, rafter hung. There it is, folks, a little ghost music for you and for Halloween. My goodness, have a wonderful Halloween, no matter how you celebrate it. And I look forward to visiting with uh, our guest next week. And you know who it is. It's you! Happy Halloween, everybody.